You're listening to ASI, Attitudes of Sexual Integrity. My name is Russ Shaw. This is episode 122. This is the Guru Dance. And you can't fight the tears that ain't coming. All the moment of truth in your lies. When everything feels like the movies. Yeah, you bleed just to know you're alive And I don't want to see me Cause I don't think they'd understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know who I am What is freedom? What is real, untainted, unpolluted freedom? What is it? Because there's something dark that lives in the addicted person that says, indulgence, that's your freedom. No, it's not. That's a lie. Don't believe that lie. It will tear your life down. Freedom. Listen. Your definition of freedom. What is it? How deep does it go? Where are its roots planted? And where does it draw nourishment? What's freedom? I'm telling you to get naked. This is scary stuff. Being naked of the heart and opening yourself up to what really is where you're going to change, what you have become, and what you will become, right? It's springtime now, the the deadness of the plants and the trees are coming and springing back to life. This is a beautiful time of year. It's a great time for change. I love you guys. uh, That song by the Goo Goo Dolls is awesome. And I don't want to see me Cause I don't think that they'd understand When everything's made to be broken I just want you to know who I am And I don't want to see me Cause I don't Dolls. Love that tune. And as always, you can go to the website asi247.org. You click on the music tab and you can download the songs in their entirety without the, uh, you know, being cut off here and there, right? You can buy them through iTunes or Amazon or whatever, but the links to download the tunes are right there, building a soundtrack to the Decalogue. So, if you want to do that, you can do that from there. Again, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I don't get paid a dime for my links to iTunes. There's a few. I would get a teeny tiny commission for some albums on Amazon, but 
man, I don't make any money on that, right? I'm yet to get a gift card from Amazon for the books and stuff I've sold through the website. But anyway, that's uh, that's how I get paid through Amazon. They just send me like gift cards. But anyway, my name is Russ Shaw. My email address is russ at asi247.org. Um, if you want to contact me, uh, the website is asi247.org. Um, there's some videos of me up there. If you want to check out the face to the voice, I don't know. I have uh, coaching, um, sexual integrity coaching via YouTube, and my YouTube channel is Russell, two S's, two L's, ASI, all one word, Russell ASI is the YouTube channel. Um, let me know where you're at with YouTube because, you know, I know about the temptations with going to YouTube, stuff like that. I'd like to address some of that. So if you'd like to send me an email to talk about that, um, again, Russ at ASI247.org. Do you trust yourself to be on YouTube or video or the internet or where are you at with that? If you're still in the compulsive behavior phases or moving out of that, is there a fear holding you back from um, living life, right? That's part of it. Fear. I'm going to talk about fear today um, because fear has everything to do with the eighth commandment, the ninth commandment, and moving into freedom, right? Life and living life in the light of what it means to be free. Because listen, the, the gravity uh, of the situation, right? Like going back to that, where I, my destination, where I was going to end up if I did not change not just my behavior on the surface, because I tried that for years and years and freaking years, and nothing seemed to be changing. So, getting underneath that and staring at what I actually defined as truth, how I defined freedom, what was my definition of love, asking these kinds of questions were monumentally helpful in my recovery. I can't tell you how enormously helpful doing that very hard work was. So I'll play you this uh, excerpt in a moment. Um, John Frame talked about the literal normative thing is to get caught, right? That is at the end of that destination. Eventually, the thief gets caught. The thief faces the consequences, right? I mean, that's just the literal norm when it comes to breaking the Eighth Commandment. Romans 12.1, which I've talked about in the show before, that my life is a living sacrifice, right? That you will sacrifice. I have sacrificed for years. And what happens is you build this craft of, of lying, right? Like, one of the powerful things about a lie, one of the powerful things about stealing, is that the lie covers the theft, right? And people believe what you tell them. For the most part, people do. People are less trusting today than they were 50 years ago, but for the most part, people believe what you tell them. And you can steal from them in that, right? Does that make sense? I was honed at the craft of lying and cheating and keeping my addiction solidly in the dark. 
right? I had a tremendous amount of energy in keeping the lie spinning, right? Again, we will pour out. We're constantly pouring out emotional, intellectual, spiritual, relational energy all of the time. And your person, who you are, has a religious, a kind of religious, spiritual influence in the world. Your energy does. Like Rick talked about, this basketball, holding it underwater, man, it's exhausting. Um, I, I'd been clean for almost a year when I confessed everything out on, on episode 40 and I told the world, right? Going back to that song by the Goo Goo Dolls, right? I let the, the world see who I was, right? And I played that song by Johnny Cash. It might, I love the, those words by Trent Reznor. My empire of dirt that I had built up. That, you know, being this guy that I was, slash M, doing the podcast, that I had kept all this in the dark for so long because I loved my wife, because I was afraid. But I knew that the future was coming for me, and I was going to have to confess this. I went back and forth with it, to be honest with you. But I did know that eventually, and the Holy Spirit kept drawing me in. As the more I pressed into God, the more I realized I had to confess this. Right? So here's a... I'll play you a little piece from the, the last show, episode 121. This is living in the truth. This is living in the light of truth. Because if you don't, you always have to look over your shoulder to see when someone's going to bump that watch. That watch is going to get bumped, and, and this thing is going to be ignited, blown up in your face without people around to contain it, without people around to love you through it. All right? Man, I love you enough to tell you that. So you might think that I'm trying to motivate you with fear. Um, is that part of your MO here, Russ? Kind of, yes. But I don't think that fear in the worldly sense, again, is going to help you. There is two different kinds of fears. Um, the Bible is going to say that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And and here's the deal. Um, I've got some emails from some people who are kind of like, you know what? I don't know if I trust the Bible. The Bible, Russ, yeah. I think that, you know, this religion is, is part of the problem. All right. I agree with you. Yes, religion is part of the problem. Absolutely. The Bible itself, and here's where I started to get into the Bible. When I started to realize, and I started to talk to people, and started to open up, but stop being fake, right? That's another fear of man thing. Like, I'm afraid of people, so I'm just going to stay fake, and I'll just be bitter inside and say, oh, that's religion, and point the finger. All right, listen. Religion, that self-righteous finger-pointing, I'm better than you, um, God, I'm higher on the scale of God's favor than you are. That kind of religion is sin in the Bible, all right? The Bible is going to call that kind of self-righteous, cold religion sin. This was mind-blowing for me when I started to get into it, when I started to look at the Bible and go, okay, that's a different message than I had believed prior Again, Proverbs 1-7, um, 
The fear of the Lord is, is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge, of growth, of building a foundation. And this is the foundation of the whole book of Proverbs. Um, again, Proverbs was a book written by King Solomon who... God saw, you know, this man and said, you know, you're pretty cool. I'm going to give you whatever you want. You ask for it, I'll give it to you. And you know what King Solomon asked for? It wasn't money, wasn't possessions, wasn't wealth. He asked for wisdom. He says, you know what? Wisdom. I want wisdom. I want you to give me wisdom, Lord, please. So the creator of the universe, right? The creator of the heavens and earth, the the God who made, like, mind-blowingly, in our little infinitesimal brain, the God who made a star burning 600 million light-years away, who knows the hairs on your head, gifted this man with wisdom. And the whole foundation of this book of Proverbs that he wrote is that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, of knowledge. So when it came to my relationship with my wife, and confessing this out. First of all, I thought demonstrating love, right, and loving my wife, and was it loving to tell her the truth? That was my big question. That's something I wrestled with for a while. I did, again, I did 40 episodes of this podcast before I had let the bomb go out, before I had confessed everything. I mean, my wife had caught me with porn numerous times in the past, and that was bombs going off there, too. Almost lost my marriage over just the porn issues. How was she going to deal with this, man? I mean, this was at the bottom of, of what I was going to do when it came to confession. And really, it was based on fear. The definition of fear is visualizing a negative outcome. And what was this going to mean for my family? What was this going to mean for my kids? What was this going to mean for my legacy? If I just told the truth. I was scared to death. But I, I studied enough scripture to understand that in order to really love our wives, we have to love God first. We have to love God more. John Piper says that if you have a really good marriage, your spouse will look at you and say, you're second your second to God. Your first relationship has to be to Jesus Christ. It just has to be. So ultimately, there was going to be a negative outcome, right? The bomb going off. Again, that is a negative outcome. Either way, there's going to be a negative outcome. But what was my motivation? Again, fear. Who was I going to fear? Proverbs 29, 25, this is from the Amplified Bible, says that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever leans on, trusts in, and puts his confidence in the Lord is safe and set on high. Does that mean it's going to go well in this life? Not necessarily. Does that mean everything's going to end with a, a happy parade and, you know, happily ever after? No, not always. But where was I going to place my trust and hope and security because that's part of worship too right this energy that comes flowing out of us all of the time that is worship it's not just something you do at church it's your whole life you constantly pouring out we have needs one of the biggest needs is to trust Ephesians 4 verse 14 through 15 English Standard Version. So that we may no longer be children tossed 
to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Proverbs um, fourteen twenty six. In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have refuge. It's from the ESV. Proverbs twenty three seventeen. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all of the day. This is Luke twelve um, four and five. This is the words of Jesus. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him after killing the body has the power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Right? Those are the words of of Jesus. And this was a big hang-up for me as well because I thought that I really got to the point where I didn't fear hell. Right, I wasn't afraid of hell because I just assumed that the the bar was held so high that that's where I was going anyway, and then I just stopped believing it. Right, I just started to believe something else and started investigating other religions and philosophies and psychologies and right. But listen, hell is real. Pastor Mark just did a great sermon on hell, right? The biblical definition, the the what Jesus says about hell, what the Bible says about hell, it is constant, eternal torment forever. All right, purgatory is a Catholic religious thing. It is not in the Bible. Right? They'll bring up a few verses and try and make it. No, no. There's no temporary hell. It is forever, constant, eternal, forever. And really, myself. And a lot of the people who've emailed me in the past have more fear of our wives, our girlfriends, right, guys, ladies, your husband, um, more fear of them than you have of God. That's that's the truth. Like, we'd rather hide it now, not confess it because we're afraid of losing something here. We're all going to die and face judgment someday, and we're going to ask we trust Him, and we're going to be in relationship with Him. I think if you're constantly pursuing God, and you're constantly in prayer, and you're constantly in that relationship with God, you will confess this because you know it's right. Because you know it's not good to rip off your spouse to continue to do that, to steal from them. All right? studying scripture the the light of scripture you know the bible says that about itself that it it cuts through the the bone and the marrow to expose your your heart these are some of the scriptures that really helped convict me of this truth that i needed to be honest matthew 10 26 through 27 so have no fear of them for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known what i tell you in the dark say in the light and what you hear whispered proclaim on the housetops psalm 139 verse 7 where can i go from your spirit where can i flee from your presence 
Um, there's another Psalm 139. This is a 11 and 12. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light will become night around me. Even darkness will not be dark to you and the night will shine like day. For darkness is light to you. God sees everything, man. Mark 4, 22. For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret that should not come to light. It's weird how in our kind of villainous self-image we start to trust the thin ice of this lie. Um, Isaiah, this is 28, uh, 15. And Isaiah's not going to pull any punches here, man. He's going to tell it like it is. Um, this is the English Standard Version. Verse 15, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Shoal we have an agreement. Shoal, um, by the way, me entering in the middle of this verse here, was an Old Testament reference to hell. That word Shoal was, was that, um, making an agreement with hell. Anyway, moving on. When the overwhelming whip passes through it, it will not come to us. For we have made our lies a refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. We can't trust and take shelter in the lie. Psalm 90, verse 8, this is the ESV as well. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. And, and God still loves us. That's what's amazing. The reason you draw breath, the reason you're where you're at, right? Life is beautiful, right? That song by 6 a.m., I, I love that. Even in the light of our sins, God sees it, and he loves us, and he's rooting for us, right? Jeremiah twenty-three, twenty-four in the Amplified Bible. Can anyone hide himself in his secret places so that I cannot see him, says the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and earth? says the Lord. And here's Isaiah again. He's putting his thing down. He's going to tell it like it is. Isaiah 29, um, this is verse 15 through 16, and this is from the message version, a paraphrased version. I love this. Doom to you, you who pretend you have the inside track. You shut God out and work behind the scenes, plotting the future as if you know everything, acting mysterious, never showing your hand. You have everything backwards. You treat the potter as a lump of clay. Does a book say to its author, he didn't write a word of me? Does a meal say to the woman who cooked it, she had nothing to do with this? Romans 1, 25, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. That's a, a direct reference to not only the first commandment, but the ninth commandment. We, we trade the truth for a lie. Once you've gone before God and said your vows before um, a clergy, a judge, uh, someone, you've done a ceremony that seals you into covenant marriage before God. There's a big difference between that and just living with a person or having a boyfriend or girlfriend or, you know, even if you have a kid with someone, yes, that is a lifelong bond and a lifelong tie 
that you have with someone. But being committed to them and being in covenant with them is much different. I think that you have a way higher percentage rate for your um, getting back together with that person if you have a kid with them. Warring with yourself, warring with that person to demonstrate love, to put Jesus on the, you know, the top point of that arrow that's going to drive your life and working out that relationship so you can get married and be in covenant marriage, I think it's critically important. It would be an awesome way to demonstrate love to your kid. That would be the best lifelong gift ever for your child is to love, honor, worship Jesus, continue on in life, pressing forward towards the goal with the mother or father of your child. But maybe that's not possible. I don't know. I mean, you have to work that out for yourself and every situation is different. There's lots of complexities here. But as a married guy, I'm also in covenant relationship with my wife and I love her and I will continue to press in. Never say the D word, right? Divorce. Never say die. Never say divorce. Not, not going to do that. But if you're not married, again, you're not in that covenant bond sealed relationship. There is a point at which you enter into a covenant relationship, and that is marriage. That's what marriage is for. You see, the thing about codependency is really it's at its roots, at its core, underneath that word codependency is idolatry. It's worship of a person over God. Your whole identity is tied to you being with that person. If that person's not there, then your life means nothing and you feel destroyed and everything's a wreck. And if you're not married, man, if you're not in that blood covenant, and that's what marriage is, all right? Forget the world standards. You get married before God, before a judge in a church, and before your friends. You're entering into a blood covenant. That's God's relationship with us. And to solve some dissidents, I'll go into that a little later. In sickness and in health, for better or for worse, till death do us part. This is the language of covenant. So if your boyfriend and girlfriend, it's a different issue for you. Here's some uh, good Charlotte. Check this out. Wake up, go to work, come home, it's not working. We've been living our whole lives on a system that is broken. Your words, I hear them, they're sharp, can't get near them. We've got one last chance, one more time to make this happen. We got one time, time to get this right, two time and you know it's not my style. Something I've learned in another reality that I've been exposed to that's been revealed to me 
And it's really been through studying psychology and sociology and cognitive science. And I'm embarrassed to say that I heard about it theologically a long time ago. And I wish I would have listened and clinged on to that truth then. Maybe I rejected it for the way it was delivered. I'm not sure. I really believe that when I heard it, it it said, it said to me that God doesn't love me unless I do the right things. And that's really not true. But what I heard a, a pastor say, and again, this goes through all of the neurological and psychological sciences. Um, she said that, and I'll put it into my own words to help you understand in, in light of this three different layers concept that the most shallowest part of our identity of our that comes from that level two and floats up to the surface is our feelings is what comes flowing out of us in reactions it's our feelings it's being driven by feelings it's a shallow way to live and I heard that again a long time ago and it just didn't make a lot of sense to me but now through time and I'm telling you this as a guy who's 42 years old now um, that it, that's true feelings are like waves on the beach and they, they come and they go and they flow in and they flow out and they're like sea billows you know they rush in and rush back out again that really is true. Who you are in the light of truth will expose your heart, will expose your motivations, will expose to the depths, to the core of who you are. I love that song, The Confessor by Joe Walsh. You know, talks about looking down the well. It's hard to see down to the murky bottom. But in light of the truth, who we really are is exposed. And you start to build your life on a system of structure in the light of truth. You realize that there is truth. You ever notice how feelings, right, like you're being tired, sleep deprived, being hungry, right, having an illness, you feel sick how massively this affects your your feelings your your moods i believe this is why jesus talks about fasting the way he does prayer and fasting going to god and saying you fill me please you be my food today right i mean jesus even uses this metaphor and it's the one religious um, ritual that Jesus talks about along with baptism he'll say um, eat this bread and, and drink the wine as it is this is my flesh this is my body broken for you all right that when I've been fasting I've prayed that like help sustain me today Lord as soon as I feel those those hunger pains come up, and I, it, this goes back to man overcoming and realizing what I worship and I so want to sit on the throne 
right? I so want to sit in the judgment seat. I so want to cling on to resentment and I have to put it to death daily. When it came to sexual addiction, man, I remember this. So in a day of fasting, I, I do that, man. I pray, I, sustain me, Lord, today. Please sustain me because my body is hungry. Be my food. Help me get through this day. And I do. And I used to be grumpy. And I'm learning that that's not the case. If you lean on the spirit, it really is true. I went through a whole day without eating, and not only was I not grumpy, I was I was at peace doing my job throughout the day. But really open your eyes and see how shallow your feelings can be. And listen, hear me out. I'm not saying that feelings aren't important or that we should somehow negate our feelings. Or some people feel more than others, right? There's the different personality types. Listen, even the coldest calculated, um, seemingly unfeeling type of organized person is still trying to protect his prestige. And that guy will rise up in anger or jealousy or whatever feelings come flowing out when his prestige is threatened. When his shallow point of his identity is, is maybe exposed. Does that make sense? What comes flowing out of us in our reactions, in our feeling reactions can, can make um, monumental turns in our lives. I like the movies, uh, all the Back to the Future movies, and in the you know the second Back to the Future movie, the Doc comes back and he says, "Gotta go, you know, into the future to to help your kids. It's your kids, Marty. Your kids need you. We need to go into, you know, travel into time to protect them. I'm telling you right now, you're gonna make decisions that will define your legacy." And those feelings, if man, if they're not tied to some kind of structure, to some kind of real truth, not just the I feel truth, but actual truth, man, we'll destroy everything. We'll mess up everything. This is why I love the Bible. This is why I've realized that it's not just a big book of religion. It is actual truth. Psalm 119, man, read that psalm. It's a great psalm. David is writing in with his feelings and saying, man, how much he loves the law. How much he delights in the law. The fact that God has structure to his creation. King David, right? I mean, uh, morally, here's the deal. Not only did King David have sexual ethic issues, um, he hooked up with a married woman. Not only did he hook up with a married woman, he had her husband murdered, and then he lied about it. And because David runs to God, not from him, he loves God, and because he runs to him, he writes this beautiful, really long song called Psalm 119, delighting 
in the truth of the law, really worshiping God as ultimate authority is what David's doing in this psalm. King David, right, who has a lot more power and money and women at his disposal than you and I, writing about the law and how much he loves it and how he knows God's in charge and he's not. You confess this. You get this out in the open and your spouse is going to be angry. Guys, your wives get to be angry for a season. And chances are, if they're human beings who aren't perfect, they will sin against you. The Bible says, be angry but do not sin. But chances are, unless your spouse's varsity at forgiveness, right, th this is this is going to hurt. There's going to be retaliation. Um, over the years, my wife and I, I, I say that because I've shared these emails with her, um, have read emails from, from you all who have been through this or the bomb has gone off or there's been a confession. And a lot of folks, guys mainly have said, um, you're so lucky that your wife, you know, is so gracious and forgiving. Um, one woman who emailed who's going through this with her husband said, uh, you know, I just can't just forgive like that. I just can't do it. I I'm doing the best I can. And uh, thank God for your wife that she's so forgiving. I'm, I'm doing the, I'm trying. And to all the people that think that my wife just, you know, forgave me. No problem. Uh, no, man. It, it was painful. And a lot of pain and a lot of hurt came flowing out of her. And it wasn't pretty for either of us. And listen, when she's ready to share some of that, she will. You know, I've kept her out of the limelight with this show and these broadcasts because <laughs> something that Pastor Mark says, you know, you, you guys who do ministry, whatever, right, you get your wife involved and she becomes a target, right? Women are incredibly competitive. So are men. But I tell you what, if my wife wants to do, put her two cents out there, that's cool. But I'm not going to push her to do that. When you put your voice out there like I have, you become a target. You do. You become vulnerable. And uh, if my wife doesn't want to be uh, shot at, I don't blame her. So I'm cool with that. But I'm just telling you that for some of you to think that it was easy for me, it was not easy for me at all. And here's the biggest thing that I want to communicate to you when it comes to this concept of feelings being very, very much on the surface. Um, the Bible uses these metaphors for uh, sowing and reaping, right? Um, planting seeds and growing crops and there's this one verse, uh, Hebrews 12, verse uh, 15, I believe it is. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Listen, those feelings that are coming out of you are very real. But they got planted there, right? 
They got planted there, they, a, a seed was pushed into the ground, and it was cultivated. We tend to run to bitterness. We tend to run to resentment. Man, resentment is a horrible, horrible thing. And some people have a bigger reservoir for resentment than others, right? Some of us just get angry with little pot shots and little, you know, I'm mad at you kind of things or mean stares or whatever it is. And some and some people just have this deep reservoir of resentment. And when it comes out, man, it's violent, right? There's lawyers involved. There's criminal activity that happens. I mean, these kinds of, of deep wells, I mean, the, this resentment that, depending on how deep the root goes, can destroy everything. And when it comes to the surface, man, it can ruin your life. Or you can pull up, like the Bible says in that verse, pull up that root of bitterness and replace it with grace. Right? I'm not talking about behavior replacement. I'm talking about a deep root in the heart. When Jesus becomes real, when you throw out religion, because religion can, used, can be used to just back up that resentment, right? And that's why I've done so much talks on, on bashing religion, right? It's not religion in, in the sense of taking care of widows and orphans, like the Bible says, pure religion. It's this religion that is looking at the other person and pointing out all their faults and shaming them. That is not Christianity. It's an attitude of resentment and bitterness, and it grows down deep in the heart. When we have the attitude of Christ, we have the attitude of grace and giving grace. Jesus suffered for the sake of love. Being like Christ is suffering in the midst and for the sake of love. For the sake of pouring out, for giving it away, for loving out through it. You're the most like Satan, the accuser of the brethren, right? That's what that word means. Accuser, judge, resenter. And he hates us. He resents us. You're the most like Satan when you're resenting, looking down on, judging, I'm better than you. And you're the most like Jesus when you're loving, reaching for love. When you fail at that, also you get back up. Because you will fail at it. I have, man. It's hard. It is difficult. As well, my wife, who told me, I mean, I know, we talked about this a lot of times, man. Can you forgive me today? Right? Forget about just cold blanche forgiving me because that's really, really difficult. But what about just today? Can you forgive me for today? Can you get through today by forgiving me for today? I I've asked her that. And in tears, she said, Yeah, today, I can do that today. You know? Yes, we should just forgive. We should just blanche forgive, right? But that's very, very difficult. And our emotions come flooding in like a tsunami and we have to forgive for that day man if she can forgive you for that day love her man this is the crucible this is the gauntlet and I challenge you to it because faking and pretending is just living a lie and the person that's changing 
I pray for you guys, man. I do. This is a tough show. This show has been emotionally exhausting to put up. Alright? Because I love you guys so much. And because I know the truth of it. You know, that's why I talk about giving so much. And yes, giving to the show, that's great. And if you don't believe me, don't give to me. There's other places on the website, ASI247.org. I don't get a dime for those. Give to those organizations. But there is a, a root in your heart, a consuming root. And this root of bitterness can be replaced with a root of grace. And when we give, something changes in our soul. But not just financially. Let's go deeper, right? What happens when you wife starts sinning against you and she's got a root of bitterness and she's mad at you and it's coming at you? What are you going to do? How are you going to respond? This is when Jesus becomes real. When you press into him, man, and you cling to him and you remember that you're, right? you're loved by God. And you get to be like Christ in this moment. Check this out. Here's some here's some Bible for you to help uh, put some maybe some poison on that nasty root, and let's grow a new one. Let's cultivate a new root in your heart, right? Not a new behavior, a new root in your heart. Again, talking about these like queen ants that, you know, they're down below the surface, giving birth to all these little sins that pop up. This is a big part of it. This is replacing roots. You know, I talked about that in previous shows where you know I had all these black ants that kept coming, and I would you know, the little tiny black ants, and I kept killing them with traps and sprays, and the exterminator said, "Man, you got to kill the queen." You gotta kill the queen or else they're just gonna keep coming. You can keep squishing them out on the surface all day long and that's what behavior replacement is, right? That's what behavior modification is. It's just killing all these little queen ants on the surface. Man, you gotta go for the root. You gotta kill the thing at its root. Like dandelions, you know? You can run across dandelions with a lawnmower and your yard will look great for a, a day or two. Let's go after the roots of bitterness. Praying and pressing in to Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus is God, man. This is just more evidence to Him entering time and space, right? Him entering into His creation and loving us through it. John 3.16-18, through 18, the New King James Version. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. Guys, I'm going to enter this verse here. I have to say something right here. You're going to be tempted to quit. You're going to look around at the devastation that you've caused and, and say this would be a great way out. Start to think about how it would be to be single. You know, there's that temptation, right? What it would it be like to be out on the single scene again? And if you struggle with sexual integrity, this can be a, a real pull for you. I pray that you don't give up and I pray that you have faith 
that you shine forth the grace that you've been given to your spouse who will sin against you when she's hurting and angry. I pray you don't give up. I pray that you, Jesus is real to you, right? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son, he's condemned. Right? That's verse 18. What did Jesus say about it? Conviction that God loves us over shame. You gotta tear down the temple of self, this idol of self. Romans 15:3. For even Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Matthew 20, verse 28, Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Blessed are the poor in spirit, right? I'm not Jesus. I used to pray that, and I'd freak out and be busted up and just couldn't handle it and just be on my knees again, returning to him again. I can't take it, Lord. I don't know if I can do this, man. I've been there. This verse is awesome. Matthew 5, verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This is the message version. Um, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Willpower is bondage, you guys. Ask for help. Help me increase my faith. Right? Ask God to help you increase your faith. Matthew 7, verse 7 through 11. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask of him? Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him, as other translations. It's the Luke version of that same verse. He will give you the Holy Spirit. He's not going to give you a new car. You may lose your house still, right? He'll give you the Holy Spirit to help you through this on your knees praying, asking Him. He'll give you the Holy Spirit. I, I love that. That's true. That's supernatural. It really is. Second Corinthians 7.10 This is in the message version. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on the deathbed of regrets. Colossians 3.19 Husbands, love your wives. Be affectionate and sympathetic with them and do not be harsh with them or bitter or resentful towards them. That's from the Amplified Bible. That, that is something to be mindful of. Watch your resentments. Don't let that root of resentments get down into your heart because it will turn you away from her. Lord Jesus, help me not resent. Man, that's, that's a big one to pray. Give me your Holy Spirit instead of resentment. 
I mean, this is it. This is warring on your knees. This is reaching for Jesus. My friend Leo had a, a guy say, oh, Jesus, Jesus is just a crutch. Leo said, he's not a crutch, he's a defibrillator, right? He's full traction. He's the ambulance. Jesus, help me, save me. This is real, man. This is not some religious voodoo fairy tale. This is real life. God is real. And he will help you if you're long-suffering and if you do not quit and you keep pressing in and you keep knocking and you keep asking, he's there. Always there. God is good. When is he good? All the time. All of the time. And see what can happen if you let that grace take root. Let those roots grow down into the spiritual part of you. Because that's where you're going to spend eternity. That's the truth. When giving it away starts to matter in your heart when you start to see and you see by doing it there's something about getting in there and doing it it's hard it's work it's emotional work but when you get in there and press in and do it that's when your heart lights up that's when things start to change that's when you start to see who you are at the depths of your soul when you are loving like that Randy Alcorn in that book, The Treasure Principle, um, he was interviewed by Pastor Mark about the book, and, and he was talking about um, Angelina Jolie, right? Hollywood starlet flying to third world countries, adopting children, giving millions to these orphanages, and, and adopting these kids. And she giving this away. Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, these guys who, you know, Warren Buffett who made millions and millions of dollars. And he, he started seeing when he gave it away what that did in his heart. Angelina Jolie, when she was near suicide, right, and talking about depression and this horrible place she was in, when she started to give it away, what that did to her heart. Do you think she wanted to travel, like, right? This is Angelina Jolie. Do you think she wanted to get off the plane in some third world, dirtbag, dangerous country? Being the person she is with the millions of dollars she has and, and the risks that she had to take and, the, you know, the inoculations you have to get to go to some of these places. And she did it for the sake of love. And she started to see, not totally to the depths of who she is, you know, right? I, I don't know where she's at spiritually, but in giving what that did to her heart. And listen, being like Christ in your marriage, giving this away and not being shallow and not giving up and remembering your vows, staying and praying, as Stephanie Hamilton Brown would say, right, with her ministry on Facebook, it's rememberingourvows.com. I love that. Let that light up your heart. Right, more than than a multimillionaire um, giving away their money. Warren Buffett said that too. He said, "I finally realized why I was so blessed financially with the gifts that I have." This is going to be difficult, man. It's going to be hard, but you get to give. You get to give. You get to love. You get to stay and pray, and you get to remember your vows, and you get to leave a legacy for your children. 
of showing how to suffer in love. Not giving up like the rest of the world does. And man, if this is your second or third marriage, whatever, do it now, right? Commit to this marriage. Love that person. You're in a blood covenant now. Realize that. And give it away. You get to give it away. Man, I truly do care. And I truly do love you guys. And there is something to living in the truth. You gotta do it. You have to live in the truth. Don't believe the lie that it's more loving to lie because it's not. I'm falling apart. I'm barely breathing with a broken heart that's still beating in the pain. There is healing in your name. I'm holding on I'm holding on I'm holding on I'm barely holding on to you That's Lifehouse. I love that song by Lifehouse called Broken. Um, it's funny how when we're at the end of our rope, things get clearer, right? Pressing into Jesus Christ, pressing into God when it's all come apart. There's power, there's release in that of ourselves emotionally, spiritually, right? I got an email from a listener about a week ago. And he said, uh, it's coming up on one year since disclosing my sin to my wife and uh, I asked him to elaborate on that and he sent uh, he sent an email that's awesome and powerful and, and gave me the permission to share it with you um, I'm posting it on the website in its entirety it's you know some of you guys out there are struggling with confession man I challenge you to read it It'll go deeper than just confession. This man's story is, is awesome. Um, it'll be on the website, asi247.org. I'll have a link right there on the on the homepage. Um, Jay's story. Mr. Jay, we'll call him. Here's what he said about living in the truth. Living in the truth is refreshing every day. There is no need to hide or lie or cover up. Living in the truth is all about Jesus. There's no way I can fix myself, much less anyone else. He gave me the way to transform my mind and by small acts of obedience brought about by Jesus' love, I am being transformed. Following Him has a whole different meaning to me now. Um, again, like I closed out the last show, it's, it's running to him and not away from him. It's pressing into him in this challenge and in this struggle and not withdrawing from him. It's realizing that people do change, that we are changing, all right? And loving someone takes an act of courage, obedience, yes, to Christ not being getting over your habitual defensiveness and loving someone even when they're hurting I want to show you 
share this this bumper with you closing out the show um, and, I'll, and I'll come back and I'll play some more uh, another bumper from that, that Lifehouse song but I wanted to share this bumper with you and I've played it before on the show but I wanted to I wanted to let it hit you in the heart here. Um, this is by Ozzy Osbourne, who wrote this song, and it really proves that uh, number one, people do change, right? All right, past behavior isn't always indicative of future behavior. Once an addict, always an addict, isn't always true, right? And this man and his wife suffered, right, through through his recovery and his addictions. And, and he wrote the song, and I love this song. Um, it's called Lay Your World on Me, and here's a bumper from, from that song. Check it out. I know you think you're all alone I haven't Is, uh, the, the definition of Christian, by the way, is little Christ. It's being like Jesus. Obedience to Christ is is that. It's suffering for the sake of love. And again, you will be obedient in this life to something. And really, self-righteous, religious pride. It's... It, it's submitting an obedience to your own pride when you can't get over yourself and love someone despite the fact that they're broken and they're messed up and they're hurting and they're in pain. Can someone who you have injured lay their world on you? Because that's what Jesus has done for us, right? He says that. Lay your world on me, right? Jesus says, come to me, those of you who are heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. I'll give you peace. My yoke is light, right? You will bow to a master. We are worshipers. That's what we were created for. I'm going to close out uh, with this scripture. This is from uh, 2 Corinthians 4, um, verses 6 through 10. This is from the Amplified Bible. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts so as to beam forth the light for the illumination of the knowledge of the majesty and glory of God as it is manifest in the person and revealed in the face of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. 
However, we possess this precious treasure, the divine light of the gospel in trial. I love this verse 9. We are persecuted, hard-driven, but not deserted to stand alone. We are struck down to the ground, but never struck down and destroyed. This is uh, verse 10. So that the resurrection of life of Jesus may also be shown forth by our bodies. Right? That, that we would show that light. That's the end of verse 10 there. I love that. The best way I know to dispel self-righteous religion is through the proper study of the Bible and focusing on the light of Jesus Christ, man. It, it just is getting over ourselves. The, the worst religion is pride, man. It is the ultimate queen ant that gives birth to all the other sins that pop up on the surface. I pray we get over it, man. I pray we can love like that I'm going to I'm going to close in prayer here and then I'm going to end the show out with the, some more of that life house tune um, again the website's asi247.org uh, check out Mr. J's letter man it change your heart especially if you're struggling with living in the truth my email address is russ at asi247.org. If you'd like to share your story, man, I'd certainly appreciate it. The generosity of Mr. J to, to share his story, right? That's generous in, in a way that's um, more precious than money, right? That's the treasure principle. We are spending energy all of the time and that's part of giving it away man is is this man sharing his story and i'm i'm very grateful for that but also man monetary that this website this podcast is um made possible by folks donating i mean that's what pays for it and right now it's up against the ropes i'll just be honest with you it's up against the ropes and bleeding so man even your lunch money for today if you can sacrifice that and and i don't know eat a banana <laughs> i don't know but asi247.org is the website the p.o box is um russ shaw p.o box 13324 everett washington 98206 man if you could give financially to help support this i would appreciate that as well i hate asking for money man but again it that's the only way this thing's possible is the fact that Man, the, the, the thing costs money. It just does. So, and that's part of the treasure principle, man. You're giving it away. A heart of generosity, right? But the biggest piece of generosity I want you to remember is when you confess this and if the bomb has gone off, you give to your spouse when they're hurting. You're there for them. You listen you're not defensive, man. And I've failed at this so many times. It's getting over that habit of defensiveness. Loving them. Dr. Block had a great thing. He said, um, if they start accusing you of stuff, you, you own it, right? You own some of that. All right, I know, but I'm changing. And it's time to take time. And I know I've hurt you in the past. And I don't, I don't argue well sometimes. I love you and I want to communicate with you. Own your stuff, man. Closing out in prayer. Bye. 
I love you guys. I've gone long. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you now. I'm going to pray us out. Lord Jesus, I pray for these listening that you would cover them with your truth and your love and your grace. I pray that they would cling to you when those sea billows come burrowing up, when the, the waves of, of pain and betrayal would, would blow up and, and you would help by us reaching for you with grace and you would flood our hearts with grace. That we would see you, Lord Jesus, that we would see you in an act of worship as our Savior over drugs, over alcohol, over numbing the pain, that you would be there through it, that we would suffer well and cling to you as our Savior in an act of worship during this difficult season. I pray, I pray against Satan and his demons and all of the principalities and powers that would send horrible, evil messages that we would not listen and believe lies, but we would cling to your truth and your grace and your love, and we would demonstrate love through pain and suffering in this season, and we would love you in the joy of giving in that Hebrews says you went to the cross in joy and I pray that we would get to suffer for our spouse in this trial, in this season, in this exercise. We love you, Lord Jesus. We love you, holy and precious creator of the universe. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant, five or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. Two, six, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Seven, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. The goal, the new commandment. How will you define L-O-V-E? Philippians 3, 12 through 15, ESV, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 13 brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, 14 I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. 15. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. 
Galatians 2, 17 through 20, New King James Version, 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves also are found sinners, is Christ therefore a minister of sin? Certainly not. 18. For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. 19. For I through the law, died to the law, that I might live to God. 20. I have been crucified with Christ, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me.